0: Hey guys, Eric Lindeen here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning again. I want you to stand with me, and we're going to read God's Word today. We are in this series called New Beginnings, walking through the story of Genesis, and we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right." But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Let's pray. God, again, thank you for who you are. Thank you for new beginnings. Thank you, uh, God, just for our staff here at Mosaic and the team of people who work so hard so that people could love you, uh, serve others, make disciples. Thank you, God, for the... Just the gift of seven years and the promise of new beginnings, and I pray that you'd be with us right now, Um, God, that everyone in here would hear from you the word that they need to receive, God, that they'd leave here with their hearts encouraged, um, that they'd be inspired to follow you, God, that there's anything in us that we need to uh, turn over to you, God, that you would just reveal that right now with your gentle Holy Spirit. In the name we pray, amen. Uh, You can take a seat. I used to torture my little sister, Elizabeth. Any anyway, other big brothers love to torture your younger siblings? Yeah, yeah, they're right there. Yeah, I love the parents are lifting the hand up of, of the student. Uh, yeah, I used to torture my little sister, Elizabeth. Um, it just because she had such a big reaction that it made things really, really fun for me. One time uh, when we were at our house in Maple Grove, I grew up in Maple Grove, and then we moved to Plymouth when I was in high school, she did something, I forget what it was. It made me really, really angry. And at church, I was in this group called Royal Rangers, which is like Christian Boy Scouts. And we learned all these knots. And one of the final knots one of the teachers taught us, I don't remember why, was a noose. So I knew how to make a noose. And so my sister had made me very upset. And I had this pink like, rock climbing rope. And so I made a noose out of it and took her favorite white bear and then hung it so that when she opened the door, the bear would fall down and it'd be like, ah! And hours later, I forgot about this. And then Beth opened her bedroom door, and I was upstairs playing Legos or something, and I heard the shriek, and I was like, oh, no. Well, the bear had hung so long that all the stuffing had got out of its neck, so the head was just kind of flopping sideways and also left a pink ring around the white bear's neck. I got in so much trouble. I won't even tell you what happened, but it was bad. That didn't stop me though from also just getting on her sometimes. And then in uh, my ninth grade year, we sold our Maple Grove house, and then we're waiting for our Plymouth house to be built. And so we moved into an apartment uh, down by Parker's Lake, and we were on the, the bottom floor of this apartment building, and. The steps going up were, were, kind of had some space between them. You could see through them, and there's a like hiding spot underneath the steps. And so Beth was always freaked out someone would be down there. And so she'd always leave our apartment door, kind of look around, and then race up the steps really, really fast. And I knew this. So one day... I came home and knew she was leaving soon, Um, so I was a ninth grader, she was a sixth grader, so I waited under the stairway for her to come out, so she opens the door, looks around, doesn't see anything, and she starts racing up the steps, so I just reach out through the steps and grab her ankle, and she falls down on her face and starts sobbing, "Ah!" and she cries out, oh, it was the best, and I got in a lot of trouble for that one, too. But that's what siblings do, right? Like sometimes we just we get at each other, we we pounce on each other. Uh, We have two cats. If you know, we have a cat named James. James is the best mouser I've ever met in my life. Um, On a regular basis, he brings us parts of mice on outside because we let him out. Uh, True story. The houses all around our house used to have to set traps of mice in their basement and garages. They no longer have to, because James has decimated the rodent population in our neighborhood so far. there's like almost no mice left. Well, for Becca's birthday, her 10th birthday, we got her little kitten, uh, Russell, who's not named after Russell Wilson, um, but he just happened to be named Russell. It's a long story. Um, but it's funny now to watch Russell, who's a new kitten, and James, our three-year-old cat. Like sometimes James's is just flicking, and then you see Russell. You know, he crouches down, and then he just pounces on that tail, right? And what does James do? James lets him know he's the alpha, and just quickly with one paw, it's like slams him down, just holds him down, and just kind of looks at him. Sometimes he hisses at him, but he lets him know he is the alpha, he is the boss. We're approaching Halloween, and I think about, you know, this time of year we have all these movies where there are monsters who are crouching down. And waiting to pounce, you know, on you if you're too loud, if you're making noise. Or, you know, you go in the basement. There's the monster. And, and monsters lie in wait to pounce on unsuspecting people. Like I did with my sister Beth. Like Russell waits to pounce on, on James. But the worst of all monsters, I think, are humans and what we do to each other. We're talking about the story of Cain and Abel. And most likely at some point, even if you didn't grow up in the church, you've heard about Cain and Abel. And God's warning came in this story, you need to be on your guard because sin is crouching down and wants to pounce on you. Because what's wrong with our human race around us? We look at it and we say, are monsters real? You know, uh, you know the kind of monsters you see on movies? Well, no. But there's this kind of monsters that we are to each other, Right? The atrocities that we do to each other with our words, with our actions. I mean, just on a regular basis, just yesterday I saw a clip of, of some students who were bullying a kid with special needs at a high school, and they held him down and brought clippers to the school and shaved his head in just random places just because they're being mean to this little, this high school kid. What is it in them that causes them to do that? What, what, what capacity for evil they have. But the thing is that all of us have that same capacity for evil. What's in them is the same thing that's in you or me. See, so the problem is, in monster movies, oftentimes, we underestimate the monster. Right? They, they, the, the military or whatever thinks they can take it out and they can't take down Godzilla or, you know, whatever it might be. I think in our own lives, we continually underestimate the power of sin. God is telling Cain, watch out, don't underestimate sin. It's crouching down, it wants to own you, it wants to destroy you. But the problem is we don't often see sin within us. We don't see that crouching tiger, the hidden dragon waiting to pounce on us because sin hides itself. The word that God uses here in Hebrew for crouching is usually used for leopard or tiger. So I really want that image of of James, my cat, as he's hunting prey, or Russell, ready to pounce on James. But that idea of, of a large cat in the fields, uh, you know, in the grasses, what, what do they do? They crouch down so that their prey can't see them. Sometimes, too, like uh, uh, my kids love to watch the TV show Wild Kratts, and I've learned a lot about animals on that show. And, and I learned is that a predator, when it sees a prey, oftentimes will crouch down so its prey can't see them. Picture again that leopard or that, that lion and the Serengeti and the tall grasses. And what God is saying is sin does that same thing. It crouches down trying to hide itself from you, but then it's just preparing itself to spring and attack us. So if you're taking notes, you're going to write that down. That sin crouches. Sin crouches. It tries to get out of our view and insists it's much smaller than it really is. That's the nature of a predator. Sin crouches. Now, how does sin crouch in our lives? There's a couple different ways. Number one, sin wants us to think that we are better than other people who get devoured by their sin. Sin wants us to think, oh, that could never be me. I would never do that. I remember the old subway commercials with Jared, and he talked about how you know, he would eat Subway all for, you know, nothing but subway for a year, and he walked, and he lost like 100 pounds. Well, then it came out, Jared's not a good guy, And the FBI raided his house and had all this child pornography uh, on his computer at home. What sin wants us to do is like, whoa, look at that evil guy, Jared. Look at Deshaun Watson and and what he's accused of doing. What an evil guy. I would never do that while we sit and read our Fifty Shades of Grey books and scrolling through Instagram or TikTok looking for videos of half-naked girls. Or we hear about someone who lost everything because of a gambling addiction And now they're homeless and we're playing with fire by messing around with FanDuel or DraftKings. And we think, oh, I'm not like them. I I would never, you know, gamble real money. I'm much better than them. And so sin wants us to think, hey, we're better than them. We could never go down that same path that they would go down. And see, sin wants us to minimize our feelings as well. It's not a big deal. It's just a little bit of anger. You don't understand how frustrating my kids and my husband make me. My anger is not a big deal. You know, it's not really gossip. I, I'm, just, I'm just venting about the people in my church. I'm just venting about my coworkers. I'm just venting about my spouse. It, it's not gossip. I'm not, I'm not being malicious. It's just, it's just one glass of wine each night to help me relax. It's not a big deal. I could stop anytime. time. See, sin wants us to minimize our failings. Sin says, hey, don't mind me, it's not a big deal, so you put, turn your back on it, and then it pounces on you. See, sin also wants us to call it by any other name than what it really is. Sin wants us to call it by any other name than what it is. Some of us have a tendency to excessively work and not take any time off, not take a Sabbath. And sin crouches down and says, it's not workaholism. It's just a strong work ethic, but then it poisons you and, and takes down your whole life. Some of you are obsessed with diet or appearance, and it crouches down and says oh, it's just a concern for my health. It's not an idle beauty or trying to cover my sense of inadequacy without an experience of the love of God. I'm, it, and sin is just sitting there. It's crouching down. Instead of calling it vanity, we say, oh, I'm just trying to be healthy. Some of you are worried about money, and you worry about it a lot, and sin crouches down and says, it's not stinginess or materialism. It's just being prudent. See, sin will never stay in a corner. It's crouching down And then it wants to pounce and come out and take over your whole life. Sin crouches down and wants us to call it by any other name, to minimize it, to think we're better than those people where sin wrecks their lives. So what can we do? And I realized, I was telling the band earlier, I was like, man, I really should have put this as what Cain we do because Cain and Abel, that's a really bad pastor joke. But anyways, what can we do, though? The problem is when sin is crouching, it can be hard to see. So, you might be thinking, okay, Eric, okay, I get this, all right. But if sin is crouching down in a place where I can't see it, then what do I do? If sin is crouching at my door, like God says, if I'm leaving the house and I don't know that predator, that monster is outside. What do I do? Well, what you need then is someone with a different perspective that can easily say it, see it, and say, "Don't open the door." I went to college in downtown Minneapolis at North Central University with Ryan. Well, not with him. When I was there, he wasn't even born yet. So uh, it's, it's true. So <laughs> 1998, there you go. Um, but I used to go to movies downtown Minneapolis in Block E. And let me tell you, going to movies in the suburbs is a very different experience than going to movies in downtown Minneapolis, right? And the first time I did that, I remember I went to kind of see a scary movie, and, and I realized people here are talking back to the movie theater uh, a lot more than in the suburbs. And they're like, don't go down there. What are you going to do? And I'm like, well, yeah, let's, let's, let's help them out. You know? But in all seriousness, you need people like that. Don't go out your door. Watch out. You don't see. Sin is crouching down. And so what we need is people with a different perspective. We need people who can see things from a different perspective because we can't see our blind spots. That's why they're called blind spots. We all have them. We can't see them. So we need people with a different perspective. And you have to spend a lot of time with them. This isn't just going to happen in a row on Sunday mornings. This is why we say circles are better than rows. We need to gather in worship and, and celebration and in communion and we celebrate baptism. Those are all good. But to truly have people in your life with a different perspective, you have to sit in circles. You have to do life. You have to have a meal. You have to open up your heart and say, hey, here's what's going on. Hey, just so you know, I'm struggling. I realize I can't go to sleep unless I have a beer at night, unless I have a glass of wine, unless I have my scotch. Now I'm worried where this is going. Hey, you know, I've been messing around playing the stock market, playing FanDuel, playing, you know, whatever, uh, fantasy football. and putting money in this. And I'm realizing now I'm hiding money from my spouse. I realize I've hid this credit card. And you have to have people then who can see that and then call you out on that. You have to have Christian friends who know you and can see what you can't see or you are going to be toast. You have to have fellowship. We say a lot. Everybody needs somebody. We think one of the best ways is through community groups. But that's not the only way. But everybody needs somebody who can see something from a different perspective. Sin wants to have you. Sin's desire for you. It wants to take you out. Proverbs tells us, despise not correction. So here's the thing. When someone brings something to you, say, hey, I'm concerned about you. I think maybe you've got a problem with anger or gossip or materialism or you know, being stingy and hoarding or alcoholism, whatever this thing is. Take that, and then what you want to do immediately is say, okay, who's that sharing this with me? Do they love me? Are they for me? Do they know me? Is this out of the blue? Pray on it. Ask God to reveal, is this something I need to take into heart? Because our instant reaction all of us is like, it's not a problem. It's not me. You don't know me. You don't know my story. But when someone brings those things, and it's hard to, right? So someone takes the time to share a concern. Now, when you do that, do it with love and grace and humility. Hey, maybe, perhaps, I think, I see this thing and I'm worried about you and I see sin crouching down and I'm worried it's going to pounce on you when your back is turned. So take that, pray about it, maybe bring some other trusted friends and like, say, what do you see? Do you think this is a problem? And maybe, you know, they may either agree or they say, no, 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 that's not it at all. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, and uh, number two, what we need, we need is you need to pray Psalm 139, 23 through 24. This is a way to say God reveal to me my hidden sins. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a prayer honestly we should pray if not daily, weekly. God, search me, know me, reveal the hidden parts of my heart. God, Help my community group, my Bible study, the people in my life I trust to reveal to me those areas where where, where, uh, uh, sin is crouching down and I can't see it, but it's ready to pounce on me. God, what are those things that you can reveal? So God is warning Cain, hey, sin is ready to pounce. Does Cain do those things? He doesn't. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. After the Lord asked Cain, "Where is your brother? Where is Abel?" I don't know. Cain responded, "Am I my brother's guardian?" But the Lord said, "What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground which has swallowed your brother's blood." All right, we're gonna dive into this next section, and I, I told Ethan this before. All right, so this part, my interpretation differs from every other commentary I read. So. Maybe I'm out to lunch, so let me know afterwards if you think I'm crazy. Keep an open mind, though, because I'm going to teach this a little differently than maybe how you've heard Cain and Abel. So just keep an open mind to that, right? It says, no longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. And Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment, my avon, is too great for me to bear. My punishment is too great for me to bear. Two things here. Either Cain is whining to God, which is what most people think, or he's actually repenting. And that's how actually I think what he's doing right here. This word avon means my guilt, my iniquity, my sin is too great for me to bear. My guilt is too great for me to bear. We see the same thing. David uses the same phrase in Psalm fifty-one after he was accused of murder and adultery. David says, "Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my avon, my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your holy spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit." Cain says, "How is his big brother?" I was supposed to protect him, but I murdered him. My kids are never going to know their uncle. I have to tell mom and dad that I killed their son. And I think through God's persistent questioning, he cracks Cain's hard heart. I think Cain is thinking, God, there's no punishment you could give me. That would be worse punishment than losing my brother. Here's the thing, though. When we read this story about Cain and Abel, automatically, where do we place ourselves in the story? We're able, right? We think of all the Cains in our life who have hurt us, who have attacked us. But here's the thing. Instead of thinking we're able and everyone out there is Cain, we need to understand the truth the Bible tells us. We are all Cain. Who would you kill if you could get away with it? Who do you hate? The Bible tells us that hate is basically wanting to murder someone in your heart. The reality is people think you're Cain. That you've hurt them. And so we need to think of ourselves actually as Cain in this story, not as Abel. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land, from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, No, for I will give you a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain had sexual relations with his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain founded a city which he named Enoch after his son. God gives Cain a city instead of making him wander. God blessed him with a wife. Later on in the chapter we see that at this time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. I could be stretching here. I think perhaps, though, Cain is the Old Testament Paul. Started off angry, vile, self-righteous, a murderer. But then God uses him to allow men to call on the name of the Lord. By verse 11, he's a dead man. But he says, my punishment, my guilt, my shame is too big for me to bear. I think he has a repentant heart. And God changes his punishment. God marks him and gives him life in anticipation of resurrection and announces that God has not lost interest in the murderer nor given up on him. So the reality is we're all like Cain. We've messed up, we've made mistakes, and our punishment is too great to bear. So what does Jesus tell us to do? Jesus in Mark 1.15 says, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. We've all messed up like Cain. So what do we do? We need to repent and believe. We need to repent and believe. we talk talked about this. Repent is a move in one direction. Teshuvah, you turn, you realize if I go down this path I'm going to be alone, I'm going to be a murderer, I, people are going to kill me. I need to turn. God blesses us. because Now we're walking with God. We're, we're turning from our sin. And then we're believing and putting our faith and trust in God. So God's grace is for all of us who repent and believe. But you have to repent and believe. There's this tension, right? The gospel is what God does for us. We could not save ourselves. Our punishment is too big for us to bear. But we also have a responsibility. We need to repent and believe. And if God can forgive Cain, he can forgive you. When Cain says to God, From your face I will be hidden, he says, Not so. He's a good God, he's a gracious God. See, this is Cain's worst day, and the Bible wrote it down. We don't know much more about him. But what would your worst day be like if, if it was in the Bible? See, friends, we are Cain, but Jesus is Abel. The Bible is not about good guys and bad guys. The Bible is about Jesus and bad guys. Amen? There's one hero in the story, and that is Jesus. We'd be gravely mistaken if we put ourselves as the hero of the story or even the victim. We aren't the victim in the story. Jesus is the hero who died like a victim so that haters and murderers and flawed and broken people could be welcomed into the family of God, amen? Cain was the first to be born in the world, but Jesus is the firstborn over all creation and over new life. Did sin beat Cain or did Cain beat sin? Sin beat Cain. But see, Jesus, he faced those same temptations. You don't think he wanted to kill Judas? He was sinless. He defeated sin on the cross. He did what Cain could not do. He did what Adam could not do. And then God marked Cain. When you come to God and confess your sins and make him the leader of your life, he marks you. Do you know that? Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians 1.13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, when you responded, when you confessed, when you believed the gospel for your salvation. When you believed... You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Those of us who follow Jesus, we have been marked too. He's a good God. Let him mark you with your Holy Spirit. He's not finished with you yet. Tim Keller says it this way. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope for. See, the reality is we like to justify ourselves. We think we're more like Abel, but no, we are Cain. Our punishment, our guilt is too heavy for us to bear. There's nothing we could do, but Jesus comes, he saves us, he redeems us, he gives us grace. We're worse off than we ever think we are, but we are so much more loved and forgiven than we could ever understand. And here's what Cain says. I'm going to go back. He says, Behold, you have driven me today from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. So here's the thing, though. Cain thought anyone who finds him is going to kill him. Why did he think that? Because he himself was a killer. See, what is inside you is what you see in others. We cannot believe in humanity and in others until we start to believe in ourselves, that we are loved and forgiven and known by God. Some of you filled with so much self-loathing that you loathe the world around you. What you hate yourself is what you hate in the world around you. See, but when we accept grace for ourselves, then we want the world to receive grace. When we accept love, we want to bring love to the world. We need to believe in the value and the potential that we have inside of us. We've been created on purpose, for a purpose. We are visionaries created in the image of our creative God to go and make Good happen in this world. Why do I believe people can change? Because I have been changed by God. I know you can change. I know I'm not who I was. If you insist on me being who I was, then you're trying to trap me in a place I'm no longer in. You can become more loving. You can become more generous. You can become more creative. You can become more courageous. But you have to believe that people in people to see their potential. And all of us have this power to love, and that's power enough to change the world. I want to encourage you. We need to be in places like this, places where your hearts can be encouraged. Don't do life alone. You have to have people who see from a different perspective from you. You have to be in environments where you're inhaling life and courage and hope, because when we're out there in the world, what we're inhaling, what we're breathing in is discouragement and disillusionment and division, right? The world wants us to be divided, The world wants us to be disillusioned. Sin wants us to not see it as it pounces on us. What we have to do is you come into this environment. When you come into your community group, when you grab lunch with someone, when you have a walk with someone, you're taking that oxygen mask of the gospel and you're putting it on. And you're breathing in hope so that your soul can be filled and it can have life. That is why we have to come together. This is your oxygen mask just like when you go on an airplane, they say, put on your oxygen mask first and then tend to the children around you. we got to take care of ourselves. we got to put this oxygen mask on. Breathe in life. Breathe in hope. Believe that God can't even change someone like Cain. Maybe I'm off my rocker. Maybe Cain is totally evil and he never turned to God. I don't know. But you know what I want to believe? I want to believe God's good enough to save Cain. That he can save anyone. Because then I don't feel so lost and hopeless and broken. And if Cain can change and God can forgive him and give him a family and a city and from his line we're gonna see come those who bring uh, music and culture and all these things, then God can use us as well. But see the world out there, it wants us just to breathe in division. We gotta put our oxygen masks on. Breathe in hope, breathe in faith, breathe in love, amen? Encourage each other. See from different perspectives. Say, watch out. Sin is crouching down. And it's going to pounce on you. But don't you know you've been created on purpose for a purpose? Don't you know that Jesus pursues you? He longs for you and he can forgive you. All you have to do is repent and believe in him. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are here in this place. God, thank you that you pursue us, that you created us. And God, that you died for us because you conquered sin in a way that Cain could not. And so now God, I pray that we'd we'd repent, we would believe in you. God that we would we'd be filled with so much hope and joy and love that that's how we would see the world around us. And we'd want to bring faith and hope and love and change and growth. And we'd see to the good of our city. That we would we would be visionaries who want to see change and growth happen. God, I just want to pray right now for those in the room, maybe those who are watching it online or later, and they're realizing their sin, their guilt, is too much to bear. And God, I pray right now that they would know that you are willing to take that sin upon yourself, to take all their guilt and punishment and shame, that all they have to do is put their faith and trust in you, God, So right now, if you're in that place, and, and you've realized you are not walking with God, you have sin that needs to be forgiven, and you're carrying this heavy weight, I want to encourage you right now just to give that to God. You need to re- repent. to God, I am a sinner. I have messed up but now I'm turning from my ways and I'm believing in you. I'm trusting in you. I'm going to follow you. And God tells us that if we repent and believe, we will be saved. God, I pray we'd walk in newness of life. God, I pray that we would make it a priority to gather with other Christ followers on Sunday mornings at our community groups over coffees and lunches and walks. And God, we would not be alone. We would seek out others who have a different perspective from us. God, that we'd speak life and encouragement into each other. God, that you'd fill us with courage and faith. Thank you, God, for your gospel hope. That even though it may seem hopeless, that you come in and you rescue and redeem us and you save us. Thank you, God, in your name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Uh, If you started a new journey with Christ, we want to hear about that. We want to help you take your next steps. Maybe today, just something even clicked in you. Hey, I need to talk to someone. Hey, don't do that alone. We have leaders in our church who've struggled with addiction, with shame, with broken marriages, uh, with with, with all kinds of things. We want to help you find someone that can help you walk in newness of life and, and to walk in courage and hope and faith and creativity. And so, so don't do life alone. How can we help you take your next steps? Um, but as we do this last and final song, may you know that God is in the business of bringing dead things to life. And although the world may be filled with sin and wickedness and brokenness, the kingdom of God is a beautiful garden. That, that we're bringing the God's kingdom here everywhere we go, amen? So maybe you filled with that hope and knowledge and may know that you are created on purpose for a purpose. God is pursuing you and he's reaching out to you and he loves you so much. Let's go out of here singing. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.